0: What up, Flyer fans? Welcome in. It's Rewind Wednesday. For today's edition of Rewind Wednesday, I am going all the way back six months ago to May 19, 2020, over the off season when I had the chance to sit down with Devin Oliver for well over an hour to talk about his time with the Dayton Flyers. If you're unfamiliar with Rewind Wednesday, here's how it goes. When I changed the name of the podcast, I had an entire library on my computer that needed to be re-released. So I wanted to be organized, so we're doing these a little bit at a time right before our new episodes on Thursday. So to get you ready for the flyer season, just going to take a walk down memory lane. We're talking to Devin Oliver tonight, and I hope you enjoy the interview. An interview that is long awaited i feel like the fans have been clamoring for this one for a long time i guess it's fair to say that uh, they've been wanting the commentary for the last six years uh, since the elite eight run uh, wrapped up in uh, march of 2014 but i'm joined now and this evening for an interview with devin oliver dev how you doing tonight man how's that uh, quarantine treating you in michigan
2: i'm doing good man i'm going a little bit stir crazy in the house right now, but I'm good. I'm glad to finally be on here and have the opportunity to do this.
0: Yeah, man, we've uh, had a lot of the guys on telling various stories from you know points in their career. And you know Kyle Davis was on last year with Bobby Worley and Keith from some of the older days last summer. So um, you know, we love getting an opportunity to catch up with the players and, and kind of go down memory lane. Like I got to talk to, to V Sanford earlier this year, um, caught him while he was over in France. And, um, you know, sometimes it's just good to hear those old stories. And, and, uh, Jeremiah Bonsu equated it to uh, sitting on a porch after a day drink. So that's what you're in for tonight. Man. <laughs>
2: I love it, man. That was, <laughs> listen, that was some of the best
0: times in college right there. I know, man. I know. <laughs> it's bad though, I, feel... man, I,
2: I agree. I agree. You know, just getting to reminisce a little bit and, uh, just, just shoot the, shoot the shit, man. And talk basketball and talk sports. Remember the good days when we used to be able to go out and get a burger, and go, <laughs> and go to the
0: bar or whatever it was.
2: <laughs> go to the yeah, gym man. and shoot. I can't even do that
0: right now. Yeah, get shots up, man. Yeah. So, um, what was like? What was that timeline like for you? Because you were overseas, still playing, right? And then what you had to like get on a plane and get back to the states as quickly as you could, right?
2: Yeah. Well, it was actually. A, I mean, it was it was an interesting process for me. I remember. We had a game coming up on a Saturday. This is in France. We had a game coming up on Saturday, and we were playing Monaco. And Monaco was supposed to travel to Paris, where our team was located. And they were supposed to take a flight. And at this time, a lot of things were going on. This is when it was really starting to like pick up in France, right?
0: Mm-hmm.
2: So we're kind of waiting to see what's going to happen. And a couple of their Americans who were on the team said, no, I'm not traveling to Paris. I'm not getting on a flight. You know, I, I'm not putting myself at risk like that because this is, you know, obviously the States was a little bit behind. Yeah. And so over there at the time, it was already like, do not go outside. You know, we had rules and stuff. And so they ended up not coming. And then I think that next day at practice, they they contacted us. Our our coaching staff contacted us and said the game's canceled. Uh, we're off until Monday. And over the course of that weekend, it was like, boom, boom, boom. And it just went to the next level. Mm -hmm. And, like, by the middle of that next week, later that next week, we had to go – we had pieces of paper that we had to have signed and that you had to have your reason for going out. Otherwise, you would be fined by by Parisian police. Mm
0: -hmm. So So, you're fully on
2: lockdown. Yeah. And we had one American kid on our team that went home right away. He was – he's a little – uh, well off, he's pretty well off financially, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> and he was like, "Man, I don't really." He had a, he has a son. He had a son and and his wife there with him, and he was like, "Man, I really don't want to take the risk." And you know, I'm just gonna go home. I'm out. So he left, and me and three other of the Americans were had gotten pretty close uh, over the course of the year, and we were like, "Man, we're staying. We got to get our money. We got to guarantee that we get our money. You know, we got to make sure yeah. everything is good." Check's got to clear before you're getting absolutely, on the plane. Absolutely. And listen, I, I've never had, a, you know, I've always been very, very capable, thankfully, because of my parents and, you know, my upbringing and everything like that. But, I, you know, I'm a grown man. I'm going to get my money. <laughs> you <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean. right, man. You got me at practice every day. I'm going to get my money. You can believe that. <laughs> yeah. So we kind of waited it out, man, and, and it, it kept picking up. I mean, America was s- slowly... Um, appearing as one of the larger number areas and you know it was it was to a point where we're like, we were like well we don't know you know should we go should we stay should we go and honestly I just think uh, we didn't have a lot of good communication from from my from our staff from our management and we just kind of felt like we were blowing in the wind and as a group which I thought was pretty cool because I got close with these guys we just said you know what we're gonna go home we're gonna see what happens. And, uh, you know, a lot of it was amplified because we saw how bad it was getting in the States. Yeah. You know, at the same time, while it was still increasing in France. So it was like, honestly, bro, we don't think there's no way the season can continue. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, we all said, like, once the Rudy Gobert news came down, you just knew that that was going to be a domino, you know? Yeah.
2: And I was, I tell people that all the time. I'm sure you would agree with me on this. Like, when you see, obviously, there's bigger things going on in the world than professional sports, right? It's yep. it's not at the top of the list. There's you know plenty of Americans um, losing their lives, and that's way more serious. But I think of how powerful professional sports are in America. As soon as you saw those leagues started shutting down, at least for me, I was like, okay, this is really serious. Yeah, absolutely. Because these the NFL, the NBA, Major League Baseball, these are multi-millionaire uh, multi um, million organizations. You know what I mean? Like
0: yeah they're not just going to stop unless they absolutely have to. Mm-hmm. I mean, look at March Madness this is a perfect example. Right, and I, exactly. I said to my buddies, maybe like, even more. I said that at the beginning of March, uh, cause this was all just so unthinkable in my mind. And I'll, I'll be the first one to say how wrong I was. I was like, there's no way that March Madness is going to be canceled because there's way too much money on the line. And absolutely. then of course, absolutely. you know how it went. I mean that it was that serious and continues to be that serious that that was a move that needed to be made. Yeah, it had to happen. And,
2: I, you know what? Now that you say that, I think of that um, as even bigger than maybe professional sports because we all know the NCAA is all about the money. You can say that now candidly. Oh yeah, <laughs> I know, right? Yeah. You know, I, I was so in in awe of the whole experience of college basketball, and I was so freaking blessed to be able to go to a university like Dayton that I wasn't really aware of what was, you know, what, what the top of the the mountain top looked like, what the people at the at the top were doing and and how they operated, man, but yeah. I don't know. It's getting it's getting pretty interesting now with guys going to the to the G League and everything.
0: Yeah, I think they I, put I don't, the pressure on them. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. Like they put the pressure on the NCAA. I don't think anything foundationally will change too much. No, would, um yeah. You know, if you're unaware with what's going on in, in the NCAA, basically the NBA has started to pay the top prospects to go into a development league instead of going to college basketball. And for about 10 to 15 guys per year, it's a pretty sweet deal. The problem is there's a lot more guys that play college basketball. You're talking 353 teams that all field 10 guys plus. So you're talking about thousands of guys and not all of them are good enough to go into these training camps. So you're always going to you know, default to going back to the NCAA and getting an education for playing basketball. And so that's what we always say is like for 95 percent of guys that play college basketball, it's a pretty good deal. The problem is the guys in the five percent are the ones that have the spotlight shining the the brightest on them, like the Zion Williamson's, right? Right. You're always going to hear about those guys on ESPN, so the case gets amplified because all you hear about is guys from Duke and Kentucky, but you don't think about the rest of the guys that are impacted by all this that play for Western Carolina or, you know, whatever. So that's always my point to people is that for 95% of people in college basketball, it's still a pretty good deal. I don't know if if you agree with that sentiment or not.
2: Yeah, I mean, listen, I, I say that, you know, to kind of chip at the NCAA just because, oh, I uh, like, exactly what you said. Because of, you know, the top 5% are the guys kind of getting – like, you know, they're trying to get trying to get Zion now for his, his – whatever he was taking. You know, it's like you're making billions of dollars. Um, but at the end of the day, I, I completely agree with what you said. Because there's those guys that didn't really get recruited in high school and end up having to go to a Western Kentucky – and all they've ever dreamed of is playing college basketball. You know what I mean. Yeah. Yeah. And that's still that's still such a, a bright option in a lot of people's a lot of high school kids' futures
0: to be able to have the opportunity to go represent a university. You know what I mean? Well, let me ask you this, man. Like in your four years at Dayton, right? Like you you played for UD. We're a we're a good program. We're not a great program. Like we're, and I mean that by just saying like we're not a a. Uh, Kentucky. We're not North Carolina. We're not Duke. Right. So you're playing for a very good college basketball program in your four years. Did you ever like really want for something or were you ever like in a situation where you were like, man, I got no money. I'm poor as shit. Like I can't afford something. Like were you ever in spots where you were just like, man, I wish I could make more money off of
2: hoops. You know what? Not at all, man. And I think in some places, there are players, college basketball players that maybe feel that way. Mm-hmm. But I I I always go back to this with Dayton. It's su- it's such a special place, you know. It's a small community of people who genuinely really want to see you do well, who want to see you succeed, and the support is is unbelievable. You know what I mean? Yeah. So even before that, I really didn't need for anything. You know, during the time I was there, but I think a lot of that too was just a. Tremendous support that we constantly receive from um, boosters and fans and, and family and whatever it was—you know what I mean—it was just always, always taken care of.
0: Well, it makes the situation a little bit easier to digest, but I'll flip it on the other side of the coin for you. I mean, when you guys made the Elite Eight run, me and you both know that made millions of dollars for the school. What if you guys would have seen even 1% of that per player? I mean, what what that could have done for you at age 22 when you're graduating school and you want a little bit extra money in your pocket, right? Unbelievable. Uh, Absolutely. And you know what?
2: I think now I wouldn't even be, you know, maybe giving the NCAA a hard time if I hadn't gone through that, because I look back on it now and I see like, wow, you know, we had a lot of, I remember I saw a number of like 72 million for, uh, marketing revenue that we had brought in just through, you know, whatever various sources. In that
0: like three weeks. Yeah. In that Three weeks.
2: And I was like, wow. You know, I I was, I got a lot of that coverage and I, you know me, I'm not that kind of guy. I want my team to do well. I want to win. Mm. Shit, I'm still mad we didn't go to the final four. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, of course. You know yeah, what I mean. Later, but, yeah. but I, you know, I'm getting tweets from Obama. Like this is unbelievable pub- publicity, yeah. an opportunity for me to market myself and and promote myself and gain some sort of revenue, even if it was that one percent.
3: Mm-hmm. So
2: I look back on it, but the the run was, you know, <laughs> it was more special than generating money. And I, you know, I'm kind of like the guy that I, I'm more. Invested in people. You know what I mean? Of I mean, obviously I love money. Come on now. You know, like, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. I like everybody yeah, wants like to my pockets. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I like yeah. my pockets <laughs> to
2: be to be lying. But uh at that time, you know, I'm a college kid, man. I'm I'm living a dream. Dayton hasn't done this in thirty years. I'm like, Yeah, I'm not worried about no money. I just wanna, you know, keep doing what we're doing right now. This is better than anything. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Well, yeah. And that's why I said, like, obviously, you know, I'm not in, I'm not on here, like taking shots at like, you know, Dayton or anything like that. It's just, you know, I want to provide the context for the, for the discussion. So that people that scream about like the pay, the players, pay the players. It's like, you need to understand that most guys that are going through college basketball have a pretty good deal. Um, and, And when you start to take revenue out of athletic budgets to, you know, pay the players. That has to come from somewhere. Whether it's the cross country team, or the golf team, or the tennis team. I mean, it's got to come from somewhere, right? And you know, I mean, universities are making, uh, you know, money hand over fist. That that goes without saying. But it's still, you know, the debate will rage on because players should always be able to make money off their likeness and who they are in their jersey, of course. Um, But like you said, uh, it it does make it a little bit easier to digest in the case of Dayton because, you know, we have the fan support and we have the community. And, um, you know, as well as anybody, when you, you know, when you make a run like that in Dayton, you never have to pay for a beer in town again. And that's, you know, that's who we (laughs) are.
2: And, uh, man, I really wanted to head down there, you know, this summer. uh, The word on the street is right now that TBT is... Possibly be, the, be down there. I know we'll get to that, but
0: yeah, it's not going to be the same, you know. Yeah, I know. You might it's just be playing in an empty same. arena like it's I practice. Know,
2: I know, <laughs> and I, have, I have bad memories of that. Of, of Arch just cussing me out at, at that empty gym for practice. <laughs> <laughs> you can still hear that in your sleep. Yeah, oh gosh.
0: <laughs> no so, question. W- we uh, it's probably a good time to, to, to back it up a little bit because you talked yeah. about. Um, you know, the, we talked about here, the school and, and kind of the fan support and the community support. You know, when you were getting recruited from from BG, from Brian Gregory, um, this would have been what in 2010. Um, w- was all that kind of communicated to you or did you learn it along the way? I mean, what was your impression of Dayton initially? Because, I mean, you're a regional guy from Kalamazoo. It's not like Dayton was like crazy off the map for you. But like when they recruited you, like what was your first impressions of school and the community and all that?
2: Yeah. OK, I'll give you a little bit of a backstory of my recruiting, you know? Yeah. I was a late bloomer. I played varsity my sophomore year of high school, but I didn't really, I didn't have a serious impact. And then, uh, and I had a new high school coach come in my junior year. And then those next two years, I was unanimous, um, first team all state. And we went to the state championship both years, lost one and won one. So from then on, my recruiting really started to pick up.
0: Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: But after my junior year, I had committed to Dayton because I went down there and for a visit for a game. I went for a game. I don't even remember the game that I went to. That's bad. I should remember that, and I'm upset myself that I don't. <laughs> but hell, I'm getting you know, old. You know what do you want from me? Yeah, it's been <laughs> a while, man. Yeah. yeah. But um, we went down there, and I was just like, wow, wow, wow. Mm-hmm. There's thirteen thousand people in here screaming for me to do well on a basketball court. Yeah, I, I, I think. Yeah, I think I could get get with this. This seems like something I would want to do. But if I have to be completely honest with you, I didn't have much conversation with BG, man. Yeah. Very little, honestly. Cornell Mann, you remember Cornell Mann, who was our assistant coach? Yeah, of course. My assistant coach my first two years. Corn, who worked at Western Michigan University here in my hometown of Kalamazoo, was a good family friend. He, him and him and my father were pretty cool. You know, just being from around in... in, in Kalamazoo. My my mom and my dad both played at Western Michigan University, so I was always over there playing or hanging around, going to games, whatever it may be. And Corn was just kind of, you know, kind of pushing me for Dayton, and I think he he kind of led the way and all that, and you know, told BG basically like, hey, this kid, this kid is good. He he can play. He can have a chance if we get him here and he works. You know what I mean?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: So that happened, man. And I just, I don't know, I was so infatuated with the campus and just the small community vibe because I come from Kalamazoo, Michigan. You know what yeah. I mean? Small, That's city, vibe, yeah. small yeah. city vibe, yeah. Uh, small city vibe where, you know, mostly everybody knows everybody. Um, we try to look out for each other and, and take care of each other. You know what I mean? So I, I had that same kind of feeling. And for me, it was like, wow, this is where I want to be.
0: Yeah, for sure. And I asked that question specifically just because um, a lot of listeners know this, but my dad went to UD, graduated 77. So for me, I always ask the question of guys that came across our school when we're 17, 18, because your impression of the school is a lot different than mine. Like, right. you know, I knew that guys were out drinking beers in the ghettos when I was like five years old. You know, we would drive through yeah. Faber to yeah. the bookstore yeah. or whatever. Like, you know, right. I just, right. when I was growing up, like that was all very familiar to me. So exactly. yeah. So Like, when I got to school, like, I already knew, you know, how to get around and, like, what I was doing there. And, you know, I just kind of was very familiar from the jump. Um, It
2: was easy to maneuver once you were there.
0: Yeah, exactly. Exactly, and for people that might not know, as just providing context to the discussion, um, I was a graduate of 2012, so uh, me and Dev overlapped by two years on uh, on UD's campus, so a lot of the basketball staff and the guys that played, obviously, I'm familiar with, and uh, most of the people are as well that uh, are listening out there. We're only getting diehards on the podcast. I love um, it. diehards. Yeah, Fire, exactly. Especially in the, yeah, especially in the offseason, you get those couple thousand yeah, oh, yeah. diehards that just need it, oh, yeah. you know? I love so, it. need it. Just, yeah. just a taste, man. Just a taste. So when you uh, you came in that freshman year and, um, you know, you basically were you know coming off the bench and got a little bit of minutes, a little bit of burnt here and there. Um, was was that kind of communicated from the jump from BG or like as the season progressed, were they just like, hey, you know, sit, learn, you know, take it all in, just be a sponge. You know, was that conversation ever had or was it just kind of like you knew you were going to be a role player in that first year?
2: Yeah. You know what, man, to be completely honest with you, uh, I like I told you, I was a late bloomer in high school and I was just kind of in awe. I remember getting to campus and like workout started, you know, we got there the summer prior to the school year beginning and yep. I got there and it was just like just smack the hell out of me in the face. We were waking up 6 o'clock in the morning and, you know, I've worked. I've, I put in work in high school, but I I, I hadn't really worked on that you level. You can get by
0: on talent. Yeah.
2: Right. I was just, I was six, seven and long and skilled. You know, I didn't grow till later on. So I had great ball handling skills in high school. So I would just go past people, you know, I didn't have to be strong. I didn't have to be able to, you know, bully people like that. So
0: mm-hmm.
2: I got to Dayton and it was like, whoa. Mm. And I think I was just kind of, a, a lot was going on, uh, you know, as far as adjustment goes, and it just overwhelmed me a little bit, I think, my freshman year. Um, I don't think we ever had a sit-down conversation where it was like, Dev, you know, we want you to, you know, play a role and, and learn and go as you go. I think it was just I had some older guys ahead of me. Uh, I can't even remember everybody, but Chris Johnson I know for sure.
0: Yeah, you know, that, that first that, that year was- position. That was Chris Wright senior year, and then Chris all the Wright guys senior. that were behind him were like Chris Johnson, Paul Williams, and then Staten was on that team for that year too as well. Yep, Juwan and yep. I think the one thing that – I think more than anything, I was like, wow, I'm in
2: college, and me, Brandon <laughs> Spearman, uh, Ralph Hill, and Juwan Staten live right across from each other in Marianist, and yep. <laughs> man, we were 18 years old, you know? Three E. goes like my floor too. Yeah. Oh yeah. The, Mary. I mean. Uh, what? Oh my gosh. Good memories. Yeah. Good memories. But um, yeah. you know, we were just like, man, we're we got three years. We got four more years. You know, I'm just a stupid freshman. I don't know what's going on. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm enjoying was, the moment
0: and 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 like you know I'll I'll get there when I get there. Yeah. Yeah. Because you like you, you're so right. Like there's a lot to take in in those first couple of months there. And especially because like the basketball season's unique where like you've been on campus for what, like four months by the time the season starts. So right. you have like a lot of time to get familiar with the campus and like, exactly. you know, going out and being out and all that kind of stuff. So and especially like, you know, in, in schoolwork as well, like you kind of get used to like, this is what I need to do to actually be a student at UD. Exactly. And uh, I was the same way my freshman year, like you know, I was just like having a lot of fun. And then I was like, oh shit, I actually got to study and, you know, get my grades up and all that. So, you know, that conversation has to be had too. But your freshman year, was there a moment when, whether it was in practice or in a game where you kind of sat back and you're like, all right, like I could play at this level. Like, you know, I I can do this.
2: For sure. My, um, my freshman year, I think it was a You know what? It was late my freshman year, actually, because at the very end of my freshman year was when I really started getting a chance, Mm -hmm. and BG would put me in at that kind of uh, undersized four position, Yeah, and I was like, one thing I was always, always, always really good at is rebounding, you know? Mm -hmm. So early on in my career, that's what got me on the floor. So at the end of my freshman year, I was really like, oh, I'm I'm rebounding. I remember we played... Excuse me. We played Richmond in the first round of the A-10 tournament. No, no, no. We played Richmond in the championship. Championship, we yeah. Play- Sunday. Yeah, we, we played – I don't know who we played. It was early on in the A-10
0: tournament. tournament? That would have been uh, at UMass. At UMass. Yeah, at UMass.
2: And for the first time, I was like, I feel really comfortable out here, you know? Mm-hmm. And for me, it's always been a mental game. You know, when, when, when my mind is – Confident and I and I am sure of myself. I I'll bust anybody's ass. I'm just gonna say it. Yeah, yeah <laughs> I mean sure. that's how well, I really, you just you, know, you just
0: watched the Michael Jordan documentary, so you know right. how you're supposed <laughs> to take the center yeah. myself. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. <laughs> You know, my professional career has, has been like that case where it's like, you know, man, just go out there and hoop. You know what you're doing. Go out there and yeah. kill. You know. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I had that feeling my freshman year, and I was just rebounding, and I felt comfortable. I wasn't really shooting at the time. Um, me and my parents and my friends, for sure, the boys,
0: we joke all the time about
2: <laughs> my stats from freshman year.
0: Yeah, there's there's a couple, you know, a couple one point yeah. games in there, a couple yeah. games where you hit some free throws, you know. Garbage yeah, it time. Great
2: because, you know what? At first, it used to really piss me off, but now I look back on it now and it's like, yo, you've gotten better and progressively improved every year you've played basketball. Yeah. So that says something,
0: you know what I mean? Oh yeah. Oh yeah, man. And I'll tell you like the fan perspective because I know that a lot of times my favorite part about doing these podcasts is that like I get the perspective of how you guys view the season versus how we, the fans view the season and view the program and view, you know, everything in a bigger lens. Yeah. And I'll tell you that like the story is of your career at Dayton, how impressive it was that you did exactly what you just said. Like you got better every year because not that I don't think I'm throwing stones to say that's not the case for every guy that comes through college basketball. I mean, a lot of guys they get to how good they're going to be, and then that's how good they're going to be, you know. Right. And and, kind of and, it's, and out a lot early. of a lot of guys don't know how to take that step and go to that next level. Um, and, and like you said, you know, you put in the work, and, and you kind of see the long term results of it. And and in your case, it was just ended up you know getting better every year. Um. I was always curious, because I was on campus, I was a junior when this happened, but was there uh, like any special message from BG in the locker room for the A-10 title game in, in 2011? Because you guys weren't supposed to be there at all. Yeah. Yeah, you rattled off a win against Xavier, then St. Joseph's, and then I remember like waking up that day, and my buddies had a house on Woodland, and uh, I walked in the living room and I said, I said, guys, we could go to the NCAA tournament today. And they were like, I know, I know that's man. weird, right?
2: Yeah. It's it's unbelievable. I, I look back. I don't look back on that as enough, uh, enough as I should. But wow, we we were right there. We were in the 18th. Like I, I said, it goes back to me being a freshman and kind of being starry-eyed and not really know what was going on around me. You know what I mean? Yeah. I don't yeah. even, I could, I could tell you, I don't even know if, at that time, if I knew that would send us to the NCAA tournament, <laughs> you're learning the rules. <laughs> to be yeah, man, I don't even know, but we were right there. I remember I had a dunk in that game. Yeah. I had dunk in that Richmond game.
0: That that Richmond team deserved to be in the in the tournament too. Yeah, they had Kevin yeah, Anderson man. who was like Kevin a Anderson world... was a dog. He was yeah, a dog. he was he was one of the best guards that the A10 has seen in the last. And I don't even know if years. he yeah, I don't
2: even know if he went on to even do anything. You know exceptional professionally but i remember him at richmond he was a dog
0: do you ever see a10 guys over in europe nowadays that you played against
2: uh yeah yeah for sure i have um i remember, actually this last year in paris i played with yusu Indoy, who played at saint bonaventure no way huh yeah and i played charlon kloof who also played at saint bonaventure um you know for a for a couple years
0: it must be funny to I see played, those guys in, like, France, yeah, you know? it yeah,
2: is. It's, it's <laughs> interesting. The basketball world is such a small world, especially when you go overseas. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. If yeah. you don't directly know a guy, you know a guy that knows that guy. Yeah, yeah. So it's, it's, it's definitely close-knit, tight-knitted. No doubt. I'm, I'm sure there's other A-10 guys that I've played that I just can't remember off the top of my head right now.
0: Yeah, yeah. Except, like you said, guys come and go, but at the end of the day, you know, guys to see them, and you know, you played against them, and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um. Sure. So the the next season, obviously, was one I'm talking about right now, is 2012, which was Archie's first year. Um. Do you remember the first conversation you had with Archie, or like where you were at when you found out he was going to be the coach?
2: Uh, yeah, uh, kind. Of, I I don't remember where I was at when I found out he was going to be the coach, but I do remember when Archie signed. He drove all the way up to Kalamazoo, Michigan to my home and came in and sat down with me and my parents that summer and was like, Devin is a good player. We believe in Devin. We believe in what he can do. We want to make sure you're not leaving or going anywhere, you know, because at that point you have the option to transfer because the coach, you know, because BG left. left. Yeah, yeah. And I just remember being like, wow, like, wow, he drove all the way up here to, you know. So I think kind of from the jump for me, that was like, okay, this guy, I mean, he could have done that, you know, just to keep me on. But like, it it was that serious. You know what I mean? Yeah. I feel like he actually did. At least my feeling was that he saw at least something in me.
0: Yeah. Was there ever a thought in your mind that you were going to leave Dayton? I mean, did you have a couple of days there where you were waffling on it?
2: Yeah, not after my freshman year, though. When the coaching change happened, I was kind of like, okay, cool. This is a new start for me. Coach Gregory is gone. I can try again with this new coach, and I'll be fine. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think more – I mean, I can talk about it later as well, but I think more after my junior year. I remember we had a bad year, and, you know, things didn't go well. And at the end of the year at the A-10 tournament, Archie didn't really play me in that last game, whatever it was. And I was like, yo, I'm out. I'm leaving. I am not doing this, man. This is, you know, I've, I've done this for two years. We had a terrible year. And just in my mind, I was just like, that's not who I am as a person, you know? I'm a guy that's going gonna... to, you, you know, you know my handles, you know, my Twitter handle, you know, my Instagram handle. I'm the underdog. Yeah. Yeah. I've <laughs> always had that mentality. That's what they yeah. expect me to do is just give up. You know what I mean? Nah, man, I'm going to go back in the gym. I'm going to get better.
0: and you have show you
2: yeah for sure
0: well I mean you know it's it's worth just just jumping into that um you know I remember my senior year uh which was 2012 um the, the season you know it didn't really start off that bad you know you guys were eight and three before you you went and had Seton Hall come to the arena and even um you know, at the end of the non conference, you guys were 10 and four. Like it kind of looked like things were looking yeah. up. And I always is- tell people that one of my favorite memories was that Alabama game, um, which would have been your sophomore year. That was always okay, like this a is my sophomore year. Okay. Yeah, that was that was a hell of a game. But anyway, what I was going to say was, you know, wait,
2: wait, a question, question. S- sophomore year, Alabama at home, correct? At home, yeah, at home. That's when Kavanaugh threw the alley oop to Josh Benson. I yeah, remember that it sure, it sure that's why I was doing the airplane back down the court because I was in the game at the time. That was <laughs>
0: that was a hell of a basketball game. A lot of fun. It was, and fun. I and I remember why it was so raucous was because we had. Um, I want to say the Immaculate Conception holiday was the next day. So we didn't yeah. have school. So I remember oh, yeah. like everybody was like super turned up because we had all day to drink and like no one gave a shit because there was no class the next day. Right. You <laughs> so, know, like huge win against the SEC team and we get to get lit. <laughs> yeah, do you remember who the coach of that uh, Alabama team was? It was Anthony Grant. It was Anthony Grant. It, it was, sure was
2: Anthony Grant. No wonder when I, no I saw him uh, last time I went down to date, he gave me a, a big old handshake and said, if I needed anything, we'd be good. <laughs> yeah. No, Coach Grant has some humongous hands. Humongous right? hands. Oh, my gosh. <laughs>
0: I said, sir,
2: yeah. first of all, he, he looks like he's 35 years old. He's 50.
0: <laughs> I know. I can't believe Like he definitely looks like he's in his 30s. It's wild, man. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, yeah, that's that sophomore year. Like I said, it kind of started out well, and then you know you guys just kind of lost lost the way, like in conference play there. And then of course, like that next season in 2013 um, was was even worse. You know, 17 and 14. And as the story goes, uh, you guys lost in the conference tournament to Butler. And from what I heard, wasn't there a question as to like whether you wanted to go to a tournament or not? And you guys kind of just like turned it down.
2: Yes, we had, a, and we didn't even get an invitation to the NIT. We got an invitation to the CIT. And Archie's like, yeah, we don't want that shit. We'll, <laughs> we're good. We're good. We don't, we don't want to have any part of that. And I kind of remember being like, yeah, we don't think we really want to do that. I don't want to yeah. play the CIT, man. Yeah. Oh, Let man. me just get back in the gym and we'll just settle yeah, in next year. Yeah, we'll get ready for next year. You, this is it, crazy.
0: So after that season, like you were seriously considering walking out and dating? I mean, h- how close was it? Like, had, did you take like visits to other coaches? Did you talked to other coaches, or or was it just kind of like, hey, I think I want to explore going somewhere else?
2: Yeah, I never took any visits, but I uh, I definitely was talking to some coaches. Mm-hmm. I had some interest. I don't even remember where. I have no idea. I I think a couple lower level um, Big Ten teams, mm-hmm. um, some. A lot more than anything, a lot of mid high, mid major college mm-hmm. programs. Um, but I never took any visits and it, it was kind of short lived. You know what? I just kind of put my head down and just got back in the gym. And I think a lot of it was too just having you know the group of guys that I had there. I mean, like me, Deshaun, and Devin Scott still have a group chat that we talk to in this day. Obviously, me and V and Cav and all those guys from that team, Kendall—they weren't there yet at that time. But yep. you know, have, just having those guys around—and rest in peace to my boy, Mr. Matt Darren Becker—you yep. um, know, just being around those guys that summer was like, I don't want to leave this place, man. These are my bros right here. These are my bros. You know, I didn't want to leave. Yeah. yeah, we were yeah, such good friends. We were such close friends that it was like, I, I don't want to. I, I want to stay here. I'm gonna. I'm gonna shut the hell up. I'm gonna work harder, and we're gonna make something happen something
0: yeah 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 and, and for the listeners out there that don't know uh out of all the guys i've shared beers with in, in my life matt darren becker is up there as one of the finest men to share a beer with so oh you yeah need, rest in peace um, oh yeah Matty he's a good Ice, dude. Maybe. yeah good dude. yeah, hell of a friend man hell of a friend yeah he you was know? he was a good friend to everybody he was one of those guys you saw around campus that, that always had a smile on you know always always, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Would would you say that like in those two years, um, you know, because they like you know, there's there's no no two ways around. They weren't good years, you know, yeah, and and uh, you, no. you know it's a, And I feel like sometimes I catch shit from people that like think I'm being too negative, and I'm like, well, the guys on the court know that they had a bad season. Like they're not stupid, you know. Like yeah, you you're like yeah. you're not setting out to go nine and seven in the A10. You know what I mean? Right. No but way. never. My my question is basically just like, did those two years prepare you? for your senior year when you guys started winning like do you feel like there were specific moments in losing that like prepared you for the bigger stage down the road
2: oh yeah for sure i think that our my junior year we lost a lot of games or maybe it was the first part of no i think it was my junior year where we lost a lot of games on you know towards the very end of the game you know what i mean yep like, mm-hmm. ones that really hurt. I, I think it was my junior. I remember Kalief Wyatt coming down and hitting a game winner over V at home. Oh, God, I remember that game, yeah. Fuck. And we, that happened a lot. And we didn't have – you know, we weren't we, – I don't think we were locked in how we should have been mentally my junior year. And But at the same time, we lost a lot of tough ones, and it was just like, wow, man. So going into my senior year, we were just like – you know, I don't think it can get worse than 17 and 14. You know what I mean? <laughs> Obviously no. it can, but
0: we just, I don't know. Man, not really. I mean, great. there's there's a lot of Stunbell teams that got to come into the arena. So not really, you know? <laughs> I know, yeah,
2: for real. I don't know. It was a, it was just a progression as a whole, as a unit, as a team. Even with me, just personally with Archie, you know, like, I, after my junior I wanted to leave. And then... I don't know, man. I just, I I embraced being a senior so much and having that role. Like I was like, it's finally my time for this to be my show. Mm -hmm. And that doesn't even mean scoring and being the best player or whatever. It means like, I have the all say between all you younger guys, you know? I remember Mm -hmm. Chris Wright, my freshman year, he would come and pick Make juan and ralph up and he would make us get up early and we'd have to walk over to his car to be able to get a ride you know even though he could drive to come get us from from the um the freshman dorms yeah you know so you got to pay your dues that's guys who play sports know that's how the process goes you have to pay your dues you got to put in your time you got to be that freshman you got to be that sophomore you know like my sophomore year i had to deal with chris johnson all the damn time And I love Paying CJ, but
0: golly. <laughs> Leave me alone. <laughs> Just picking on you guys, yeah. Gosh. Hey, you but gotta it was get it for
2: me, you know? Yeah. It was has gotta it's get a ride game. to the arena somehow, man. I know. So my senior year was like, yo, man, no matter what happens, we're gonna be all right.
0: And then of course you guys got, you know, an addition of Jordan cyber which which didn't hurt. Uh, cause he, he ended up Definitely being a pretty damn good player for Dayton. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know what? I think,
2: a, I think a lot of it, what it was with us those first three years is we just struggled in, in turn in, uh, conference play. Yep. And even my senior year, you know, we started off, we were, what were we? Oh, and five.
0: Uh, one, one and, and five. five. And one you, and well, five. You, and the only win was Fordham. So strike that out. Yeah, you know what I oh, mean? I, yeah. And then something just
2: clicked. We were like, I remember, I, I I brought all the guys in together, and I said, listen, man, I don't give a damn what you got going on, what's happening, how you feel. We need to bring this group together, and we're going to – we have nothing to lose. We literally have nothing to lose. Mm. So let's just give it all we got. And then once we started playing like that, like with that effort mentality, it was like, oh, oh, oh oh, we can win games in Atlantic 10. That is possible. <laughs> you know what I mean? And then we just went on that run.
0: I, I was You beat me to the punch on this, but I was going to ask you specifically kind of what changed in the team right then because I remember not only was that kind of like a rock bottom moment for the season, you know, losing to St. Joe's, but you guys dropped buzzer
2: Another buzzer beater too. Yeah,
0: yeah. And, I mean, not only was that like a really bad game, you know, to, to push you to one in five, but like on the, the larger scale, I mean, people were really starting to question whether Archie was the guy for the job or not. I right. Know, because I those know. two years were bad. And then he's in the third year with, you know, the guys that he's recruited, he's got a transfer Jordan he's cyber come in. Then you guys God. all had a very, you know, you had an experienced team. Right. And so yeah. people were like, well, what's the problem, you know? And yeah. then, and then the switch kind of flipped. You know, I always think back, and I think this is something that maybe comes up in Twitter circles more than is discussed in reality, but do you ever think about what happens to that season if Jordan Cyber doesn't hit the buzzer beater to start the season against IPFW in 2014? Oh, what? We talk about that quite a
2: bit when we start yeah. tracing back to, to, the, to the college days, to the Dayton days, man. I mean, you see, you saw my reaction when he made it. I went and snatched him up because I was like, "Wow, We that, that we're not in the tournament if if, if we
0: lose that game, hundred percent not in the tournament." No,
2: so I don't know, man. I just remember being like, "Thank God for Jordan Sibers." <laughs> <laughs> After that shot, that would have been a horrendous loss. Horrendous loss.
0: Yeah, and I mean then you did it again uh when you guys played at Mississippi like what about 2 months later, right? Yep, yep, a couple months later. And it was like, you know,
2: we were so we felt so good after um non-conference play too, right? I, I think we were 10 and 10 and 2? No,
0: maybe not that. 8 and 2. 12 and 12 and 3. 12 and, 12 three.
2: and 3. We were yeah. 12 and 3. And what were our 3 losses at that point? Do you remember? So,
0: yeah, so it was Baylor in that uh, that tournament, um, whatever exempt tournament Maui. you guys played in that year. Oh, that Maui. was in Maui. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and I had, and, it was having a great game against Baylor. I missed a tip to lose that game. Oh, man. I know. And they were oh. They were ranked. I know. See, I got to take when we go down memory lane, I got to get the good with the bad, man. Yeah, yeah uh, I know. I know. It's um, so then there was the Baylor game in Maui. Um and then you guys went to Illinois State. That was a crusher. And then uh, uh we were at ranked. Home...
2: We were ranked at that time. We had just yep. got that 25th ranking.
0: Yep. Uh and then at Illinois. uh or sorry, USC at home and OT. Oh yeah, yep. Yep. I had a game time layup at the end of that USC game too. Yeah, it
2: took it to OT, man. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. See okay, so those aren't uh, Illinois State is a bad loss. But, uh, <laughs> yeah,
0: let's not sugarcoat it. Yeah. yeah, USC's borderline. Maybe not a great loss either, but... just since, um, since it was at home, it wasn't a great loss. But, I mean, they weren't like exactly. a, a garbage team. A power. powerhouse. Right.
2: Yeah, yeah, they yeah, weren't.
0: They were fine. Um, I actually played
2: with one of the guys that played at Baylor this year in Paris, too. Kenny's Kenny Cherry. He was a guard on
0: that Baylor team. Kenny Cherie. That's but there you rich. go. I mean, Cherie. like... The, you know, you don't get to 12-3 and three by being, like, a mediocre team. Right, and, you know. And, and so that's what I, I was always curious was, like, how the switch got flipped because then, you know, from that point forward, you guys only lost to St. Joseph's. Like, from January 25th until the end of the season that year, you had only lost to St. Joseph's and then, of course, Florida. What, what was, was it about that St. Joseph's team you guys just, like, couldn't I don't figure know. out?
2: Oh, no. You know what? It's so funny, too, because I've kind of just since graduating college, I've kind of gotten – um, you know, cool. Just the world of social media is so easy to navigate and, and communicate with guys, and you know we're all on the same mission. We're all doing the same thing. So I've gotten a chance to kind of get cool with Langston Galloway and uh, Ronald Roberts. Oh yeah. And I think just a couple few days ago, they had posted uh, St. Joe's old gym on one of old basketball page, and I was like, you know, I hate this gym, and tag <laughs> those guys in the post. You know. <laughs> yeah. I don't know, man. I don't know what it was about that St. Joe's team, but they just had our number. They just had our number. It was really, really weird. I think, honestly, I think it was kind of a matchup problem for us. They had Bembry at the at the three. Yep. And you know, obviously, he's in the NBA now, and he was just a problem for us. And and then um, Ronald Roberts down in the paint was just so athletic. And I don't know if Kavanaugh li- listens to this podcast, but. I don't want him to feel bad, but I remember Ronald Roberts windmilled and won on Cav at St. Joe's, and I was like, wow. I have never seen anything like that. Cav, yeah. you're listening to this. I love you, brother, but damn. You
0: had to, you had to take the ball and go home that day. Oh, yeah. it was bad.
2: It was bad. It
0: was really bad. You know, it, That might that be the worst of- dunk I've ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was going to say, like, it, that was honestly Martelli and, and Archie Miller more than anything because it didn't yeah. matter how many good players he had or what his roster was like or what the matchups were like St. Joe's always he always figured out what Archie was doing and and they just he always struggled run, Archie yeah. always struggled with St. Joe's I don't know what that was or or you know how how that that happened but that was always the narrative um next time you you talk to langston galloway though um make sure you remind him that he pushed off in the atlantic 10 tournament oh that my one gosh year. he knows uh, it too. kyle oh yeah. my goodness such a push off such <laughs> I, a push off i post that gif every now and again of that push he off. like come on man that's bad that <laughs> is really bad that was that would have sent us to the championship right yeah, that's right. Yeah. yeah. Wow. We're talking about the A10 tournament in 2014 right now. Um, in case you had lost the flow of the conversation, dear listener, um, we're walking through the 2014 season and, and kind of how you guys were playing down the stretch. As we said, you guys started 2014 season 12 and 3, and then we're 1 and 5 in the A10. You know, there's rumors swirling about Archie Miller. There's rumors swirling about how good the team's going to be going back to the NIT. And then you guys rattle off, you know, nine out of 10 wins uh, and only lost to St. Joe's. And then again, you know, St. Joe's in uh, the Atlantic 10 tournament on the aforementioned push off. But, um, you know, what, what was the mood like on, on selection Sunday that year? Cause you guys like barely got in and it was from what I remember, it was real touch and go. Like no one was really certain you were going to get in or not.
2: Right. Yeah. We weren't, we weren't, we weren't, we weren't sure at all. Um, mm. I remember we went over to Archie's house at, in, in Dayton and, well, not Dayton, a little bit outside of Dayton. <laughs>
0: yeah. He's over there. Uh, yeah, he
2: was over yeah. <laughs> We went over there and we just remember we were all over there. And it was so funny because I, I remember being very nervous going into it, you know, thinking like from what we had heard, we had done enough to get in, right? But then again, you never know. And yep. I remember they're doing the Columbus brackets and we saw Ohio State and literally Everyone in the room was like, oh, this has to be us. This has to be us. We all stood <laughs> up like, this is us, guys, for sure. If this isn't it, we're not going to the tournament. And sure enough, you know the NCAA loves stories. They love oh, stories. Yeah. Yeah. That's what they live for. That's what generates the viewing revenue. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. The viewership numbers. Like, So we saw that, and then they, that name come up, came up, man. I was like, such a euphoric feeling from freshman year to not knowing what the hell was going on. To sophomore year, trying to figure it out. To junior year, having a terrible year. To come to that point was just like, "Let's go! Yeah, yeah. Let's go! We have nothing to lose. We can just give everything we have, play with no pressure." You know what I mean? Like, yeah, you know, Dayton just to be just to be there, just to be in the tournament, more than enough. It's going to be more than enough, at least for this year. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. So it was just, it was, it was such a
0: freeing feeling yeah because like you said you went through a lot of ups and downs there was a lot of losing that that predicated that moment you know um so so what's next like what what happens next you guys like have to plan your travel you have to get your game plan the next 24 hours i mean what happens after the selection show for people that aren't fans man yes i mean we just enjoyed the rest of that night um
2: Archie had catered in a lot of food. We ate and played games and just kind of hung out and enjoyed the moment. And I don't remember directly after, but I know we had practice the next day. Mm-hmm. We, we pretty much got right to it. And I don't remember a lot of the specifics from that time, but I do remember that week leading up to our Ohio State game, most of our practices were focused on Syracuse's zone. <laughs> Is that right? Yeah, we were covering their zone and preparing for their zone because just our style of play and what we did, you know, we called it passing game, which is basically constant motion, back screens, flare screens, ball screens, uh, whatever it is, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I think Archie kind of did that intentionally, obviously, to kind of, you know, flip that switch in our mind that. Hey, we're we're better than Ohio State. We're going to beat Ohio State, so we're getting ready for Syracuse. So I think that instilled a confidence in us as a group. You know, mixing that with us already being like, you know, who cares what happens? We're free to play. And then being like, wow, Archie, Archie's he's going over the zone of Syracuse, so he believes in us. You know, so all these kind of all these things kind of tied in, and obviously we didn't overlook Ohio State. I'm not going to say like Ohio State was just we barely won, but just to have that mindset and and have that mentality of, like, no matter what happens, we have a chance to beat these guys, you know.
0: Well, that's what I was going to ask you is if it had, you know, as a senior, you know, were you sitting back there being like, wait, why are we overlooking Ohio State? You know, but it it kind of sounds like Archie spent that time wisely by preparing you for both games that weekend because, you know, after that Thursday game, you don't have a lot of time before that Saturday game. I mean you know, you got a couple walkthroughs, a couple film sessions, and that's it. And then you're you're on the court. Oh, yeah, it happens
2: quick. You're not really getting the full practice in, obviously. And, you know, you don't really have a lot of time to prepare. I mean, we we did our normal routine where we went through their sets and, and did walkthrough. But, you know, you gotta, you can't even really prep for that zone, to be quite honest with you. You know, there's just, you know, Syracuse recruits long and athletic players and, um you know, I, I think the first few days that week, obviously we prepped for Ohio State, but um you, you know we were more I think it was more of not that Ohio State wasn't a good team, but it wasn't a normal Ohio state team,
0: yeah, of course, it was no, they like didn't a, have that Deshaun Holden. Thomas, yeah,
2: they didn't have that Jared Selinger where it was like, yo, we we have no chance against this against this guy, you know what I mean. Yeah.
0: Yeah, because, I I mean, my next question was obviously going to be like, was there a moment in the game when you guys were like, hey, we're, you know, we can win this thing. We're going to win this thing. But it sounds like you guys kind of went in mentally, like with the mentality of, you know, this is our game to lose, um, which is, I guess, kind of interesting for an 11 seed play in the six there. Right. That's that was one of the other major things for us. It was like
2: Ohio State never plays us in state because it's a lose lose for them you know what i mean if they beat us they're supposed to beat us if they're if they lose it's like oh no wonder they weren't playing them you know what i mean so it was like we're the little brother this is great this is the we developed this mentality when we were one and five in conference play everyone counted us out everyone didn't expect us to make it here everyone didn't expect us to get to the ncaa tournament this is just that again on a on a higher stage and i just think the euphoria of it all man it was like anyone everyone there hadn't been in this situation it was just like yo this is awesome we're getting private this to that and everybody loves us and we're like we're superstars essentially in our minds you know yeah especially around Dayton.
0: yeah well and i mean then it it started to be
2: national you know yeah i think we just had we just had our our swagger man it was a lot of fun
0: yeah so so that i remember the ohio state game was at a really weird time um i remember it was like at yeah, noon eastern or something was. like that it was very That's early right, yeah. in the day because you guys the were the game first of the day yeah. yeah you were the very first game of the 2014 tournament um which was for a fan let me tell you how great it was because you know dayton won their game was over you guys were done by like 2:15 or something like that eastern so yeah. then you had like 14 games left that day that we oh, were like yeah. man this is awesome. Like you know, Dayton's already through, and so you had the whole slate. Um, so so what is that, like, 48-hour turnaround? Like, because you guys are in Buffalo. You obviously have to prepare for the next game, um, and you you were pretty sure it was Syracuse. But, like, what what is that two-day period like there before you play Syracuse Saturday night?
2: Yeah, I'm – to be honest with you, man, a lot of it was, like, just hectic absurdness and craziness going on. <laughs> yeah. You know, because – I mean, Syracuse was number one for most of that year. So that was a huge win. That Stanford team has four or five guys that have played NBA basketball. And then obviously the Florida team. But I don't know this that Ohio State team, man, as far as Ohio basketball goes, to be able to beat them, you know, when it's constantly like, we got to look up to them in a sense. I mean, I don't think we ever felt that way, but just as program pedigree goes, you know what I mean? Absolutely. Yeah. So there was just so much excitement after that game that I really don't even remember. um, I know we didn't practice anything crazy. We didn't have like a full fledged, uh, you know, contact practice. I think we had a a scheduled practice at the arena or something like that. But I just remember Mm -hmm. getting back to the hotel and just, the fans being out of their minds and my phone was just going absolutely bonkers and, <laughs> and just got even crazier from there.
0: What, what was the, like, if you could say, you know, you guys obviously were able to, to navigate the Syracuse zone to an extent. Um, mm-hmm. But largely, you know, the reason you guys won was because they were so cold from three. I believe they were over 10 from three, but, you know, could you attribute any one thing to the reason why you guys won that game, whether it was preparation or how you attacked the zone or, or whatever?
2: Yeah. You know what? I, I think more than anything, it just came down to guys making big plays, man. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> Cybert had some huge shots in that game. Uh, I think I just, again, going back to some of the games that we lost, the Heartbreakers, it was kind of like, there was no really there wasn't really added pressure, you know. We had mm-hmm. experienced such hardship <laughs> in yeah. games. Like it felt like we just got the short end of the stick that it was like this is it, man. It's all or nothing. It's now or never. Have no fear, just go. And guys made plays, and yeah, we got we got lucky uh to an extent with them not making any of their three point shots. I remember Jim Beheim not giving any credit yeah well it wasn't their defense it was just you know we didn't make any shots And it's like well you don't make shots because of the defense buddy you know yeah. what i mean yeah
0: it's one a, like, a plus i understand B, your so. bayheim
2: hey i understand your bayheim but come on man don't don't be a dick come on bayheim
0: yeah, yeah it's all good bro we got
2: you you do this every year let us have one okay yeah we got you go home yeah. yeah go home bro. <laughs> you
0: so know, so the one, the one thing that uh, I think most people that listen to this show will always remember. So, you know, Tyler Ennis drives for Syracuse. He he takes the long three. He got a pretty good look at the bucket. Um, you know, ball's in the air. Obviously, it clangs out, and then you have that. It's you know, for our program, it's an iconic picture. If you both arms raised, middle of the court, there's nobody near you. What what was going through your head right then? Yeah, because you knew you were getting to the just, second
2: weekend. Man, I was just. I was like, this is crazy, man. I, we, I went 17 and 14 last year. We were at one and five. And now there's thousands and thousands of people sitting here watching us play. Majority of them Syracuse fans. I specifically remember how loud that gym got when they kind of made that run towards the end. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, I don't know. I mean, you know, I'm I'm, I'm a man of the people, too. You know what I mean? I, yeah. I know there's cameras flashing.
0: Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But, but, the moment. but
2: yeah, yeah that's my moment. But more than anything, I was really I wasn't looking at anyone specifically. I was just looking up that scoreboard I was like, Oh my gosh, this is awesome. We just beat Syracuse, a two seed. We're an eleven seed. We're legends now. Yeah. I mean we were legends after Ohio State, but after that second game, I was like, Wow, we beat Syracuse
0: and then- Syracuse? And then A you guys three? went home and there were what, like, there was all kinds of people waiting for you when you guys got home, Oh, right? man. I, I can't even explain
2: to you what the University of Dayton was like. You know what I always say? <laughs> I would rather have been playing, but I, I I will sometimes look back and look at the videos of the the hash quote-unquote riot riots and i'm just like wow man i really wish i could have experienced that (laughs) 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 that would have been really cool to just been to be able to be in that atmosphere you know what i mean yeah yeah but playing ball was better Uh, of course be on the floor yeah the fans were waiting for us and um it was awesome man it's like i can't even explain it it was just such a surreal feeling such an amazing time
0: Did it take you some time after the Elite Eight run to kind of appreciate not only what went on, but like the scale of it? Because like I remember and I'll just I'll give you an example from my uh, perspective is that like, you know, I love hearing you say like, oh, man, I wish I could have experienced it as a fan because the fans are the exact opposite. Right. They're Like, man, it'd be so cool to like be on the court with my arms raised and then be on the cover of the Dayton Daily News, you know, but like. Um, I remember on NBC Nightly News they did like a two-minute piece, and it was just on Dayton, like our fan base, and like it's well kept secret, but it's out of the bag now. And and so, you know, did it take you some time after the Elite Eight run to like appreciate kind of what you guys had done and the scale of it?
2: Yeah, I think I think so. Probably to to a fuller extent. I think I had a bit of an idea during the time. I just think, you know, I, I pride myself on having. Pretty good self awareness, knowing what's going on around me and reading people, mm. and just the vibe that I was getting from the fans, um, the the sincerity that they had for um, being happy about how well we had done or we were doing was you could see it, man. And I don't know, I'm just being at day, being at Dayton and being on the campus and, and knowing the history of Roosevelt Chapman and. You know, what had come before and the the really storied history of Dayton basketball, like Mm -hmm. a long time ago, obviously. But it was NIT and, you know, we won one and then we lost to Lou Alcindor, like Kareem. Like there's history, a lot of history there. Yeah. And it kind of gets the rap of being a small place. And so it's 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 overlooked. They're the underdog. So I was already naturally feeding into that mentality because that's the process that I had went through personally, you know what I mean? So I was so proud to be able to provide that for a group of people, for a community, for a fan base, for alumni that have always and will forever support Dayton Flyer basketball and, 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 you know, just pray for their success. It's, you know, it's really to that point. It's a private Catholic university and we pray for Dayton Flyer basketball (laughs) success. That's how, that's how deep it goes, man. So yeah. I was like, "Wow, this is awesome that I'm able to project my university." It, it was it was an honor, man. Always yes. will be an honor to to be able to have represented the university because it was cool for me. But I mean, it was cool for me personally. I should say, obviously, the accolades and and winning and you know whatever else happened um, for me. But to represent the university and to you know kind of put. My family into the forefront. We got a lot of coverage. My little sister was able to become a star. I mean, she did a live interview with Allie LaForce. Like, what? Oh, yeah. This is so She was, this is so oh, she much was on camera every game, man. Yeah. Yeah. She was a superstar, man. And yeah. it, for me, I'm just the way I was raised, how my parents raised me. It's bigger than basketball, man. And yeah. being in Memphis and walking down Beale Street and seeing all the Flyer fans, and you're like,
0: I'm like, damn! Am I Jordan at the '92 Olympics?
1: (laughs) What's going on?
0: This has never been more famous in your life. Never, never be more famous than you were that day. Never,
2: no chance. (laughs) It was unreal. It was unreal, man. So to be able to be a a senior and have gone through everything that I've been through and represent that team, be a captain on that team, and and, you know, kind of be a beacon for the city of Dayton was just incredible, man. So more than basketball it was just you know bigger than that and and that was really cool to be to be able to do that
0: yeah yeah and and um you know obviously I don't I don't try to speak for all the fans but um you know me personally you know we you know, I I can certainly thank you for the memories of that you know that couple of weeks there, man. We had the time of our life in Chicago. Just all the alumni yeah. that were up there, and you know I was 24, so I was just a couple years out of UD at the time. Yeah. Um, and I remember like we watched the game in uh, in the North Side, right around Wrigley Field, at a buddy's place, yeah. and we're all alumni. And uh, the Syracuse game, like the shot rims out, and I remember we started like running out into the street. I don't know why we (laughs) ran out in the street. Like all these people were looking at us, like, "What the fuck are these guys yelling about?" Yeah, yeah, like, "Oh, crazy, bro." Mm -hmm. Um. So uh, we're going towards the end of the 2014 season now. We're we're near the end uh, of the of the entire career, and obviously it it comes with a loss. But before it, um, you you guys rolled over Stanford and like beat them pretty good, and. Yeah. And I remember going into that game that like people were like very sure you guys were gonna win. Like I don't think anyone really took Stanford seriously from like a fan <laughs> perspective. But like, did you guys go into that game with the same mentality? Like we just beat Syracuse, like we're gonna roll over the Stanford team. Yeah, you know what? It's funny because I think that team out of all the team we played,
2: all the teams we played in the tournament had the most successful pro b- basketball players. I mean Chasson Randall was in the NBA. He's played EuroLeague basketball now. He's a very rich man. Mm-hmm. Scotty Wilburkin has been making a million dollars for a couple years over in Europe. Patrick Young had a stint in the NBA. He's played EuroLeague, making millions of dollars over in Europe. Uh, Michael Frazier has played in the NBA. Is in the G League now, I think. Dorian Finney-Smith is in the NBA. Du- Dwight – oh, no, I'm going to Florida, sorry. <laughs> Florida, yeah. i mean all those guys in Florida. All those Florida that's players Florida. in the NBA, yeah.
3: Right, yeah. that's true.
2: Sorry. Chasson yeah. Randall, Dwight Powell – Josh Hustis, and Chason Randall. Yeah. These are all NBA guys, you know? Mm-hmm. And I specifically remember being like, no way. We're about to kill these kids. What I think they were a – were they a lower
0: seed than us, right? Uh, Well, no. You guys were an 11. They were a 10. Oh, they were a 10. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, because they had just beat Kansas that, that game right. before. Yeah. yeah.
2: And we were – I don't know. We just – we had so much confidence beaming that we had – one on two buzzer beaters, not just one, but you know we we hadn't had something happen that had happened to us so many times before. Yeah, so yeah, we were like, I, just rolling. no man, there's no way we're losing to Stanford." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like we beat Syracuse and Ohio State.
0: Um, uh, and then of course you guys turned around, and played Florida. Um, you know, Final Four is on the line. You remember anything specifically about that game? You know, now that we're six years ahead of it.
2: Yeah, I should have kept shooting the damn ball.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> My dad will yell at me too sometimes. Uh, I remember that that I had I had four threes in that game, and I should have just kept shooting. Man, I mean, you're a senior, why not go out mm-hmm. with a in a blaze of fury? You know what I mean? But it was you know it was different. We were a true team our mantra, and you know we we win together, we lose together. But that, and I also remember Mr. Jordan Seibert putting a egg on the score sheet that game.
0: He sure did. Yeah, he only man. took three shots, man. They eliminated him. And that is very unlike Jordan Seibert. You know,
2: I still need to sit him down and ask him what really happened <laughs> from that Florida game.
0: <laughs> I have my
2: blueberry. theories, Jordan
0: Seibert. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe somebody poisoned his pizza.
2: You oh, gosh. Utah got Mike, didn't they? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They got Mike. They got like those uh, for, Mormons.
0: For the <laughs> listeners that might not have uh, watched the latest uh, Last Dance episode with Michael Jordan, he was quoted from the 1997 Finals as saying that uh, a bunch of Mormons came to his room. I don't know if they're specifically <laughs> Mormons, but uh, people people came to his room and delivered him a pizza that got him sick and got him food poisoning. So I was food making poison. light of that because I'm such a five food guys. Maker.
2: There were five
0: pizza five pizza delivery, men.
2: guys. <laughs> you <laughs> like, gotta make sure Mike eats this so we can win this game tomorrow <laughs>
0: um so that night uh against Florida obviously you guys go down I mean was um w- what was the message like from Archie to you guys in that locker room and I mean even even you specifically since you know we knew it was going to be your last one
2: yeah um you know what <laughs> to be to be completely real I don't really remember much about the locker room I know Archie gave a um an encouraging speech that he was in, incredibly proud of us. Uh, but just Archie too, being the competitor and, you know, fi- feisty person that he is, he was also pissed. You know, you could, you could see it in his, in his tone. And I was feeling, but you know, that's hard to kind of yell at your guys after something like that. Um, yeah. But I remember more than anything, just walking off the court and kind of being like, I think it hit me pretty quick. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think I came out later, later in that game near the end. And just coming over and sitting down, and was just like, "This is it." I remember Eric Farrell and Deshaun were right there, right next to me, and kind of—I think I have a picture somewhere—Deshaun kind of Deshaun kinda holding on to me and, you know, pushing me through because he's Canadian. That's what they do. You know, they're good for, yeah. They're gonna—they're gonna be there for you. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I remember walking off the floor and kind of getting a little emotional, and then I just saw my sister, and she's just bawling her eyes out, and I just. immediately I couldn't hold it in that was it you know just crying my eyes out mixture of it just kind of all finishing up man it was hard Hard. it was definitely hard especially when I felt like truly we could have beat that team you know you still feel like that to this day absolutely man you know what I'm gonna I'm gonna do it just because I'm 28 years old now and it doesn't matter anymore I think Archie lost that Florida game for us you think so (laughs) And he might be mad at me, but I remember early... Oh, on the table now. What the hell? That's fine. Yeah, that's true. Early in the first half, um, I remember we weren't really rebounding well. A lot of the older guys weren't really rebounding well. And Arch was pissed at us and subbed us out. And Scooch and Kendall and Kyle came in and let us never be... um, No misconceptions here. Scoochie, Kendall, and Kyle are three of UD's all-time greats. You know what I mean? Like they were not
0: at that time, right? They were <laughs> not at that
2: time. <laughs>
1: yeah. And
2: they came in, and Scotty Wilbick just went to work and took over, and they went on a run, and it extended the lead for us. It extended the lead too much, man. there's su- they were such a, a veteran team, so many seniors. They played a lot of games, and it was just too much of a deficit for us to overcome. I mean, I could we could look back. I could be wrong. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. But coming from my perspective, that's just. Something that kind of sits in my mind.
0: Yeah. Well, I, and I love you know when we start to talk about stuff like that because it's not you know it's not throwing stones. It's just honest. Like you know yeah, that's how I felt. Like, and I mean, and and especially because like you know you're competitive. You have that competitive nature. You want to win. I mean, you know, I keep drawing parallels. To this, but I mean, look at last night. Michael Jordan beat Larry Bird in that in those conference finals, and then he was just like, "Hey, bitch, fuck you." <laughs> you know, like, and they're yeah, like really greatest of all time, but they're right. just, that's who they are. You know, I'm coming to kill you. Yeah, man. I don't yeah. want to move. And that so, was basically
2: my thing. I'm like, like, Arch, listen, man. I I'm a senior on this team. I've put in my time. I've put in my dues. At this stage, just go with go with the guys, man. Go with the seniors. Go with the older guys. Go with the guys who you know have are gonna be able to get it done at this point. You know
0: what well, I mean? if the ship's going down, you wanna go down with it.
2: Come on, man. I want to be yeah. out there.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's what it is, man. Like, if when you're a senior and, you know, like you said, you have built, you know, that season, you built that team, you've had that leadership, um, you know, you want to go down with the ship when it's sinking. And um, Absolutely. I feel what kind of leader would you be,
2: you know? What kind of leader would I be if I didn't want that?
0: Yeah. Yeah, you'd be Scottie Pippen, bro. No, I'm just playing. I'm, like, I'm just playing. <laughs> He had that one moment where he was like, "Nah, if I'm not taking the shot, I'm not going in the game." And I was, I was cracking up with that man. Too yeah, many parallels was, to draw right now. To the Jordan documentary. I apologize, uh, yeah, to listeners, was, haven't seen it yet. Um, that was
2: unbelievable, Scotty. Though.
0: Yeah, I know. I know. there was like I said, there was a lot of good good uh, sound bites there. Um, yeah, for sure. As I can hear people yelling in the background because we're just we're steaming steamrolling right along. But we're uh, we're we're wrapping up here now that we've, we've kind of gotten <laughs> through a lot of the a lot of the Dayton talk. Um, so what have you been up to since um, we talked about before we, we jumped on the mic, um, you know, how hard it is for people in the States to keep up with the European basketball scene and you know what you've been doing since you left UD. But, um, you know, what's been going on, man?
2: Not much, man. Just. Still playing basketball.
0: (laughs) Where have you jumped around to um, um, since since you left home? Yeah, I was in Belgium my first year.
2: And then from there, I went to Israel for a little bit of the year. Then I came home. And then I finished that season in France for like a month or two. And then I went to Slovenia those next two years. And that was kind of like, I had a good year my first year in Belgium. My second year in Israel was one of those things that, A lot of people over here wouldn't understand that you get over there in the team situation with, you know, they're not paying the money on time or the management's not, you know, doing their jobs how they should be, whatever it may be. And it happens Mm -hmm. a lot in Europe, you know. So guys not getting paid, you mean? Yeah, that, but also other things, different things. You know, you you come from a college program where you get meals fed to three times a day. And then it's like. You know, okay, can I have my car? I have been here for two months now. Like, can I have a car? You know, it's just different things um, that can that can happen. I don't know. It's just, it's hard to explain, but it's a part of that European process. It's part What's of the a, grind.
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah. What's the weirdest part about b-ball over there that people might not know? Hmm.
2: I don't know. I've had a couple coaches where they don't speak English. <laughs> that sucks. Yeah, so that <laughs> language barrier is like that's that's pretty tough to, to get over. You know what I mean? It's that's yeah. difficult. You yeah. have an assistant coach most of the time translating to you, but it's not getting it's not getting the message across how the head coach might want it to come across. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So So yeah, I played in I played in Slovenia for two years. Uh met
0: my girlfriend there,
2: actually. So I'm very thankful for Slovenia. <laughs> That's yeah, cool. Yeah. Yeah. I can't yeah. say
0: I've ever met Slovenian women before, but you know, it's just wow, for hey. everything.
2: Wow. Listen, let me tell everybody right now who's listening, if you ever get a chance to travel, if we can ever leave the house again, go to Slovenia. <laughs> What's your sea- favorite part and about Slovenia? And that's not just the women. The women are beautiful. But more than anything, you on one side you have mountains, skiing, some of the best Alps in Europe. And then you drive two hours, less than two hours on the side, you have the beach, you have the coast. It's unbelievable, man. A lot of green, a lot of nature. It's it's just a really, really underrated
0: country. Well, there you go. That's your PSA for the evening, Dayton Flyers listeners. Go to Slovenia, Slovenia. with your next uh, vacation trip to Europe. If you heard it here. <laughs> what I up? Did. I think. <laughs> What's the plan of right now? I mean, are you just kind of trying to play hoops until you can't play anymore. I mean, have you thought thought that far through?
2: Yeah, I, I, to a, to an extent, um, you know. I don't know, man. I've just I've met so many people and built so many connections um, over my time playing college basketball and professional basketball that I'm just gonna. I mean, I'm in the in the process of, you know, kind of starting to push towards what I want to figure out. But I, I feel like I still have. You know, a few good years left in my body. Um, Obviously, I want to do it as long as I can. Um, I've always taken care of my my money and, you know, made sure I'm
0: not being an idiot. You know what I mean? (laughs)
2: Yeah, set up for,
0: you know, success when you stop (laughs) playing hoops because you can't play forever.
2: I'm kind of, you know, my girlfriend is mad at me for how I am sometimes with kind of flying by the seat of my pants (laughs) but i you know i've just i've from through the things that i've experienced in life and um just everything that i've uh, been able to be a part of i've just kind of you know taking it as it comes for now i know at some point i got to make a definitive decision but i know i still have some basketball left in my body and as the time comes i'll progress and 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 figure out what it is exactly i want to do
0: yeah, hey, that's all we can do in our twenties, man. And they're coming to a close for me too. So you, know, you know. got to start making decisions one way or another about what you want to do for life up. and. Yeah. What's the next step? I keep telling everybody that I haven't said that I've been 29 all year. I keep saying I'm almost 30. I think it's yeah. it's my brain telling me I got to figure some more things out. But right. uh, no, question. Hey, no, you know, question. enjoying the ride is, is,
2: is a part of it, brother. It's a you part know? of it, man. No question. No question. Well, God, luckily,
0: luckily, uh, all the Dayton Flyers fans are going to be able to see you play some hoops here shortly from from the information that we have right now. Everything's planned and, you know, we're moving forward with the TBT um so we we kind of gave listeners a little bit of a, a a peek into what's going on but uh what's the latest on the TBT I mean as far as you know everything's going on and it's supposed to be in August right yeah uh July I think July okay yeah mid-july from what I've from what I've been told
2: um shout out to the TBT man they're they're a good group of guys over there we've had a a lot of con I've had a lot of contact with their with their people this summer I think just because of you know kind of the little bit of coverage that we got last year um and i'm looking forward to it man we i found out today from our tbt instagram page flyers tbt go follow them if you haven't yet yeah (laughs) Yeah, deshaun's playing with us that's right so that would be that would be huge man but from what i know it's going to be a situation where we go down and we're going to quarantine and Uh, You know, all the players will be down there, wherever it ends up being. We're going to quarantine and then we're going to play the games. Uh, It's going to be televised, but I don't think, at least as far as I know at this point, there won't be any fans um, Mm -hmm. able to come. Uh, Which kind of sucks, you know, because that's obviously to our advantage in the TVT. Yep. With the Dayton fans being who they are and being incredible and supporting us. Uh, But we'll see. I think it's going to be – for me, I'm just excited that it's going to be an opportunity to play basketball because I'm itching yeah. at the bit. Yeah. I mean, I don't have a gym to go to right now. I'm doing ball handling drills at home and workouts at home. So it's it's difficult right now, but to be able to go down and have that chance to play and play with the guys again, it should be fun. Plus, shit, it's going to be the only thing on TV, <laughs>
0: sports-wise. I probably, yeah. You know what I mean? I would think yeah. at
2: that point, maybe yep. the NBA, but obviously the TBTS has better talent than the NBA. So. that's Uh, why they don't let the nba guys play you know what i mean (laughs) that's right yeah exactly uh
0: did were you kind of surprised last year like how much fun it was and like you know how like how many fans showed up for it like did that all kind of because i was kind of surprised that i like got into it as much as i did but i told people afterwards i was just like yeah i guess like anything that has dating on it i would be rooting for
2: yeah i think it's picked up every year but specifically last year um, for me, it was the most fun. Before I had played with a team, Broad Street Brawlers, just they had contacted me and was asking me if I wanted to play. And I did it. But when we got the Dayton team together, it was like, you know, these are guys that I've won a lot of basketball games with. You know what yep. I mean? Yep. So More to trouble. be able to get back and, yeah, absolutely, not have to worry about this guy trying to go off and do this and that, that we just get to play and have fun and enjoy, you know, being back with each other, it was great. And then. It's always man, those crazy flyer fans. I love them. <laughs> like, come on, man! It's TBT and they're just fully stacked in the gym. Ohio State's on the other side. We're on one side. They're going after each other. You know, just everything was just great. It was awesome. It was a lot of fun. I,
0: I uh, this, this is uh, towards the end of the show here. One of my last questions because I asked uh, I asked Chip Mikel and uh, and Joey Gruden about this. But yeah. I said, would Dayton sell out the arena for a TBT game? And my answer is yes. Easy.
2: <laughs> yeah, that's Easy. what I you said. You know what?
0: You know what? Especially in our current
2: climate, like if we could have fans now, after we were robbed of this beautiful, absolutely tremendous basketball team we had this last year. Yep. Oh, they would. They would be chomping at the bit to be able to get back in that arena. I think. I agree. You know what I mean. Just to be able to see us play, see a Dayton, you know Dayton-based alumni team play again.
0: Yep. Yeah, no doubt, man. It's it's great. Sure. I'm looking forward to it. I know all the fans are looking forward to it. Um, did you get to catch a lot of games this this past season? I or did. You know years?
2: what? I'm always watching my Flyers, and I, and I love watching. Them, but I watched more games this year than than any other year. I would think so I, maybe one of Scooch and Kendall's and Kyle's years. Mm. Um, but yeah, you know what? <laughs> it's kind of funny because I was always like I want the team to do good but I don't want them to do better than me I still want to be the best you know yeah you elite eight, I got that. Years, yeah. I, I want to be elite that's want to be I want to be me obviously I wouldn't be mad if they made it but you know I'd be like, ah oh, damn but this team no man i was I was walking around my professional team with around all the Americans like what school did you go to again <laughs> <laughs> I was just really really proud to be a, a fan. Uh, Being alumni, and it it was – wow, man. They were like – I watched some of the games, and it was like this is a very, very good basketball team. I wish I could have played for Anthony Grant. That's what I really thought about. Yeah, yeah. And me and Arch had our differences, but I love Arch. you know. But to be able to play for Anthony Grant would have been awesome.
0: Yeah, some of my favorite stories that have come out of this podcast have been Archie Miller at F-bomb in the locker room about – you know, not playing good defense or something like that. So I'm sure you and him oh, had a yeah. couple of those moments over the oh, years. Oh yeah. Oh yeah.
2: <laughs> I think I think
0: my senior year is
2: when we really picked it up and would we'll just go at each other constantly. And then I think at that point he was kind of like, okay, he's 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 got some balls. He's not he know he's not <laughs> he just a little you around. kid. Yeah. <laughs> and then he started respecting me because that's just Archie, man. He's always, always tenacity, nonstop. You know what I mean? Yeah. All he cares about is winning. That's why I always respected him because he he had that mentality where like I don't give, I don't give a, <laughs> a damn about who's in my way. I'm trying to get past you to get to the win. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I always have respect for him for that.
0: Yeah, man. Well, uh, us Flyer fans certainly have respect for you know what you did for the school and and your playing years and um you know that's great. You got a dog in the background too. It took yeah, us and until he's... 81 minutes until we heard a dog barking in the background. So he's we my did pretty. We did pretty oh, wait, well. <laughs> we we did pretty well as we far were as the podcast. There. I know, yeah, it I could was have been the it first was, one. I know, I could it have was been the first one. This was like studio quality all the way up until the dog <laughs> bark, man. Um but no, man, what I was going to say, you know, was just that um you know, it, it's great to to honestly hear the stories about you guys the playing days and um you know, just just you know, seeing the moments through your lens, you know, because as fans, we only see it one way and that's, you know, what we're seeing on the court, but a lot of times I like to get these kinds of interviews together just to get that other perspective. Like, you know, what was that night? Like, what was the bus ride? Like, and you know, what was the locker room? Like, and all that stuff is very foreign to us as fans. So um, I, I I always tell, Everybody that comes on the program that uh, you know, they get their final thoughts uh, when you do an interview with me on the Blackburn Review podcast, and and you're yeah. certainly no different, man. So if you do have final thoughts for the listeners, um, I think everybody that's tuned into this point would would love to hear them.
2: Yeah, absolutely, man. I, first and foremost, I want to say thank you for having me on. Yeah, it took absolutely took t- took too long, and <laughs> I'm sorry it did. No, that's um, what that's
0: what's great, man. We just let it go, you know. And sometimes yeah, they're sure. shorter,
2: sometimes they're longer, but you don't cut that's it short. Right. You that's just keep going. Yeah, I, I think the one thing I want to say is I will forever and ever be proud to be an alumni and to have been a part of the University of Dayton, not just as a basketball player, but as a student and the community and everything else that goes with it. Uh, obviously, um, the best thing about it all was that run that we made. Um, but just to be a part of that community and everything you know, that it represents in Dayton. And I can't tell you how many alumni I've met in Europe, in America, all over the place, you know, that I've run into. I ran into a guy at Disneyland in Paris this last year. I'm not kidding you. He was a UD alum and he came up to me. I couldn't believe it.
0: <laughs> I'm not kidding. I believe so, it. I believe it. Yeah.
2: To be a part of that, I, I think I just would like the Dayton fans to know that it's it's always near and dear to my heart and that it'll always be a part of me, man. It helped shape me into who I am as a as a basketball player, but more importantly, who I am as a man.
0: For sure, man. And I know that I feel the same way and uh, I'm sure my dad feels the same way and everybody, yeah. that, um, you know, I'm, I'm a Flyers family. So I feel that um, special. Exactly, man. And that's that's another reason why this show's done so well and why we've continued to kind of put together things like this, because people keep consuming it and listening and loving it. Um, so I'm sure this is not going to be the last time that we get together to, to chat. Oh, yeah. But, no questions. Um, but I uh, I thank you for giving me the first time, man. So, uh, so I appreciate you coming on and sharing some of your thoughts with us.
2: No problem, man. It was an honor. I'll be happy to do it again sometime
0: soon. Hell yeah, we will, man. Um, so in honor of that, uh, I always take the listeners out with a song. And I went no sponsorships tonight, so I get to put in a song of whatever the hell Ooh. I want to put in. And the song that I'm going with is by one of my favorite bands, which is Spoon. And the song okay. is called "The Underdog," and I uh, thought of it about halfway through the podcast when you were doing that. So, um, I'm going to take the li- <laughs> so I'm going to take the listeners out with "The Underdog" by Spoon. And until our next podcast, whenever that may be, I think in about a week's time. You know, there's two rules: you wear red and stay loud. We'll catch you next time. Peace.
3: Picture yourself in a living room. Your pipe and slippers set out for you. I know you think that it ain't too far But I I hear a call of a lifetime ring The need to get up for it Oh, you cut out the middleman, man Get free from the middle man You got no type of the messenger Got no regard for the thing that you don't understand You got no fear of the underdog That's why you will not survive I want to forget how convention fits mm. But can I get out from under it? Can I cut it out of me? Oh. It can't all be wet cake It can't all be boiled away I try but I can't let go of it Can't let go of it uh-huh. Cause you don't talk to the water boy so much you could learn, but you don't want to love You will not back up eligible That's why you will not survive Tell you now It may not go over well Oh, it may not be for the while No way that I spell it out But you won't hear from the messenger Don't wanna know about something that you don't understand You got no fear of the underdog That's why you will not survive
1: As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the US, Coriant has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Coriant has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Coriant's exclusive network of experts